Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes, to all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Hey everyone, welcome to your show. I got to I got to admit these expert series we do Monday, Wednesday and Thursday are so much fun to do and we're going to start it off strong always with uh, Greg Dickerson. How you doing, sir? Doing great, Michael. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. So it's interesting. Last week we did a little bit of talk about how multifamily lending is changing, evolving, right? More down, 18 months reserve, you know, all of those things. And lo and behold, last Friday, uh, Chase, uh, JP Morgan Chase came out and said, hey, starting Tuesday, we're going we're gonna to get really tight on our lending for single family homes or residential loans. And I'm like, oh my God, right? Banks can't come out and say they don't want to make loans. So instead what they do is they just tighten up. So I was curious what you thought of that. Did that surprise you? You know, what do you think's really going on? Let, let's bat that around. Because uh, I think that's going to have an impact, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. And, um, you know, I received an email from a friend of mine who's a lender and, and talking about like even jumbo loans. A lot of banks aren't doing jumbo loans right yeah. now, especially in investment properties and things like that. So, um, you know, the banks are under pressure because, you know, the whole forbearance thing, you know, the whole um, just you know, the economy as a whole, people are going to be uh, defaulting on mortgages. There are going to be some people that are not going to be able to keep their houses. So, you know, there's a lot of distress coming in the mortgage market. Now, the good news is the Fed has stepped up and they are, you know, buying an unlimited amount of mortgage bonds, you know, and mortgage-backed security. So, you know, when a lot of people had this conversation earlier, you know, they're like, man, aren't we going to see hyperinflation by what the Fed's doing? And, and I said, you know, what the Fed's doing, they're actually loaning money. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. When they come in and buy these bonds, you know, when they buy treasuries, when they do these things, they're basically providing liquidity to the banks and to the capital markets to in turn loan money. Other than that, they are literally, you know, providing working capital to big companies like the Boeings and the airlines and the cruise industry, hotel industry, stuff like that. Those are credit lines. So, so they're not actually, it's not like, Michael, you're going to get a check for a million bucks in your pocket, or I'm going to get a check for a million bucks in our pocket. That would create hyperinflation, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. That's not what's happening. They're just providing liquidity. They're providing lending. Now, some of that stuff does come with, you know, strings attached, just like a uh, loan modification comes with strings attached, you know, with your mortgage. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's to be expected. Banks are going to tighten up criteria. You know, they have investors that they have to answer to. They have, you know, um, you know their regulations, federal regulators uh, that they have to answer to and, and guidelines that they have to adhere to. So um, it is going to be difficult in the interim. And nobody knows what, what's really going to happen, right? We don't know, can we get rid of this thing? When are we going to be able to get rid of this thing? What's the economy going to look like when it does open up? When can we open up? So there is still so much uncertainty out there. The banks have to protect themselves. They have to hedge you know, their, their uh, investments that they're making in people when they loan you money. So yes, they're going to make the requirements stiffer and more stringent. And uh, it may only get worse in the short term before it changes, just like it did 2009. Mm -hmm. Nobody can borrow money. Yeah. Post-2009, it was very difficult, very expensive. And then what happened? Last three or four years, we saw it almost go back to like <laughs> it was before. Almost. All the way back to no-doc loans. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Well, let's let's stay in the stay in the current a little bit because not mm-hmm. many people have invested through the last crash like you and I did. Um, and again, the access to mortgage loans, whether it's you know large multifamilies or it's residential, it will absolutely have impact on transactions, and then mm-hmm. not only transactions, but that will ultimately lead to price declines. Right? This is a a supply demand problem and when you rip away people's ability to say yes because there could be lots of demand but if they can't get a yes answer from a bank they're not considered you know part of the solution so we're going to see a bunch of transactions fall and you know the big question is i guess the big question for me is do you think other banks follow chase's example and we see you know wells fargo and uh, Bank uh, Bank of America sort of follow suit this week by tighten up regulations. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think we're going to see a lot of banks do that. We saw it with Freddie and Fannie, you know, yeah. uh, in the multifamily side. So yeah, I think it's the theme du jour uh, moving forward here in the short term. And, uh, you know, it's still there. They're still lending. Uh, it's just going to be more difficult. And pr- investment property lending might dry up for a lot of people altogether. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be even more difficult. There's not going to be any relief in that market if you're in distress. Uh, the short-term vacation rental uh, is going to be interesting, you know, to see how that unfolds. So, yeah. yeah, it's an interesting discussion. On the multifamily side, the more sophisticated owners, they're just not selling, right? They're, right. they're not going to discount prices. They're, they're going to wait. They're going to pull back and they're say, you know what? I don't need to sell right now. I'm not going to sell a discount. Mm-hmm. The only ones that are going to sell right now are the ones that have to. So it will be interesting to see, you know, what that looks like and, uh, and how things develop here over the next couple of months. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. It's the have to sell. In multifamily, it's just a smaller pool, so there'll probably be less have to sells. Plus, you also have extend and pretend, right? Uh, an apartment loan is bigger in most cases than residential loans. Uh, so again, it could become very common to extend and pretend, which was something we, we saw a lot of in 2008 and 9 and 10. Um, yeah. But I think residential, we're going to have a bunch of motivated sellers that have to sell, right? Job loss, divorce, health events, mm-hmm. you know, people passing away and living it to their heirs. Yeah. Um, we're going to see a lot and, and it's not yet rippled through, right? Cause we've really only been in this for like two or three weeks. I think in another mm-hmm. three or four weeks, anything that's left in the MLS is a have to sell. I mean, why else would you list yeah. today? I mean, is that a fair assumption you think? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's it. You know, if you're in the MLS, you know, you need to sell right now. And, you know, of course, every market's different. Every market has yeah. its own little things. But in general, yeah, it, you know, if somebody has to sell, they're going to put it on the market. And, uh, you know, like you said, the probate thing, I mean, there's been a lot of unfortunate, unfortunate deaths, you know, and it's the elderly population. So there's going to be a lot of, you know, state properties and probate properties flooding the market. Mm-hmm. Um, usually that's a normal supply. So we're going to see an oversupply there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in, in that sector, there's a lot of people that focus on that niche. A lot of properties I've bought have been estate properties, yeah. you know, vacant, rundown. You yeah. know, those are great deals, right? The family yeah. just wants to get rid of it. It's found money to a lot of them. Um, but with everything being shut down, it's going to take a while to work through those. You, sure. know, you can't even start the probate process now. So, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy times. It's really yeah. interesting. You know, so I think, I think very shortly, let's, let's just put 30 days on this. We're going to have much less active listings, but the ones that are there are in distress or have to sell. And then they're going to be doing that in a market where lending has dried up. 
for the most part, right? Lending yeah. will be there, but it will be there for the clean properties. And again, we're not going to have very many clean properties unless you're buying something from the builder, which again is, a, is an interesting conversation. But what is yeah. left is distress, no loans. You can slash prices. And then where are the buyers, right? There's a few deep pocket, pocket cash buyers out there that really have cash. A lot of the fake cash buyers who were relying on these funky loans that are now gone are out. Um, so really that comes down to you know cash buyers or your ability to raise private money, right? Mm -hmm. Which is something I know I sent out yesterday. Uh, but again, if you have a track record, you've been, you've been doing the right things, the ability to raise private money probably for the next six, maybe for the next 12 months is going to be key, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a good time to do it. A lot of people, have, I've seen a lot of debate out there. People saying, oh, it's really hard right now. It's really good right now. I think it just depends on, you know, who you are, where you are, what your network is. And here's the biggest thing I'll tell everybody. And you, you did a presentation yesterday. It was awesome. What a lot of people don't do, especially investors, they have a motivated system to find private money, right? Private money is a system just like anything else. You need to have a funnel. You need to have a relationship building model, a way to constantly stay in touch and let people know what you're doing. I love the fact that you talked about you just documented on a blog what you were doing. You know, back before that was even a thing, I, yeah. just, I just did what I did. Yeah. Same thing. And people, I shared what I did. People were interested in what I was doing, yeah. you know, and uh, they're like, man, that's cool. I'd love to, I'd love to do a deal with you. I mean, that's what they'd say. Yeah. And even today, even still, they're like, man, that's so much fun. Let me, you know, let me know when you, when you have an opportunity, I'd love to do a deal with you. Yeah. So you know, it's being out there, letting people know what you do. You, you know, you don't want to, you know, Hey, I got this great deal. You want to invest? You don't yeah. want to do that. You just want to talk about what you do. So it's a, it's a complete system from the way you're packaged to the way that you present yourself and your opportunities, the way you share. Now you can't network right now in a traditional sense. I don't yeah. know when you will be able to again. So you've got to get your system up and running online, starting with a website, you know, uh, a pitch deck on yourself and your company. If you've got a website, that'll suffice. And then you got to start creating content of some sort, mm -hmm. sharing and talking about what you do, whatever medium you're comfortable with, whether it's blog on your website, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, you know, whatever it is, you got to send those visuals out and let people know what it is you're doing, podcast, you know, something like that so that people start to see what you're doing and then reach out to you and, you know, start talking to you about it. Yeah. And again, it's a couple of two things that were important about that presentation yesterday. One, one is I've never asked for money. I've never asked for a private investor. I've never, I've never had to ask. And the other thing is, is you have to be willing to be consistent. Uh, too many people look at this and go, hey, I put out three videos in the last week and I haven't got anything. Well, let's just have a reality check. I wrote a blog. It no longer exists. I wish I kept it, but I didn't. It was wealthbuildingpro.com where I was documenting all the houses I was buying at land value. We're talking 40 grand was my average purchase in 2010 in California. Um, and they were renting for a thousand to 1100. So, I mean, they were like two and a half X in California. Um, so I was just writing them all down and I would write down how we bought it. I would take pictures. Cause again, video wasn't there. Face. I mean, I wasn't using Facebook. It was just wealthbuildingpro.com, a list yeah. of properties. And then I write where I bought them. And then three weeks later, I write what we rented them for. And, and I did that for six months, six months before I had anybody in my network reach out and say, Hey, let's go to lunch. But once the first person did, my lunch request, my, you know, let's go to dinner. Let's, let's go to Fresno and check it out. Because again, my network for the most part, at least in 2010, was in the Bay Area, right? So we'd have a two and a half hour. First off, we'd meet. We'd figure it out. We'd catch up because I knew most of these people for five to 10 years. 
then over a weekend, we'd drive down to Fresno and check stuff out, kick rocks, I called it. And then I'd have a private investor. I mean, I raised millions of dollars at 10, and I paid 10% interest back then, right? I did mm -hmm. what people wanted because I wanted more deals at land value, right? But it's, it's a six month thing. You gotta be, you gotta be consistent. You gotta be just sharing your knowledge, you know, take pictures, take video, um, and just yeah. be a giver. Don't be, Hey, I got a deal. I got a deal. Hey, you know, loan me some money, loan me some money. Hey, let's partner, let's partner. Right. That's not what, that's not what, that's not a good way to go. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, <clears throat> there are some people that that is their business model. They are yeah. lenders, private lenders. Yeah. So with them, yeah, it is all about the deal. They're going to look at you as an operator. Then they're going to look at the deal. So, you know, let's start there. Number one, everybody says, Oh, go find a deal and you'll have all the money you need. No, you need a buyer's list and you need a lender's list. So, You've got to have one of those two things or both before you go hunting for deals because you can go find the best deal in the world. But if you've got no network of buyers or potential partners or lenders, you, you've got nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. So you want to start there first. Find your cash buyers, potential partners, find your lenders. Where do you find them? How do you find them? Especially now, you know, you're going to have to go online now since you can't go to these networking meetings. You can't go uh, down to the courthouse if they're not open, but you need to research who's buying properties with cash. So those are people that go to auctions. Those are people that you can look at public records. If it's online, you can look at the transactions, find out who's buying. A lot of places make real estate transactions public. Mm -hmm. um, and you can see over and over if it's an entity, are they buying? How are they paying? You know, that kind of stuff. Um, so you can look, look those things up. You can go into real estate investor groups and meetups and just talk, you know, see who's, who's lending and, you know, who the cash buyers are and start talking to people. But mm -hmm. you got to be an expert. You need to know your market, know your business, know your craft. Um, and all of that and be credible before you do any of the other stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, and that's the way it was with me. So, you know, I never asked anybody either. I was just, you know, very active, very social yep. coaching kids sports on the boards of all the nonprofits active in church. So, you know, I'm an, I'm a social guy. I, you know, attend a lot of things. I was in the home builder association, mm. you know, leading that as the, as the uh, vice president and chairman of the remodeling council early in my career when I was a builder. So I was out there. And, you know, people would be talking about, you know, what do you do? Oh, yeah, man, I'm, you know, building, you know, spec houses here, doing development over there, tearing down a hotel, redeveloping, flipping this. You're like, wow, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to get involved. Let me know if you have a deal, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like that. You know, people see, you know what you're doing, you know, and you're confident. Now, how do you get there if you're just starting out? You know, because somebody could be watching this going, oh, that's great, guys. <laughs> I've been doing this 20 years. I'm trying to get started. How does that work? Okay, again, build your network. Find your cash buyers, find your investors, find your lenders, learn your market. You know, uh, Michael says that over and over and over. Learn your market, learn your craft, know what the values are, know what yeah. the costs are. Talk to realtors, contractors, other investors, learn from them so that you know what you're doing. Then, you know, once you have that network built, go out and find a good deal and then come along some side of somebody, even if you have to give up 90% of the deal. I don't care what it is. Yeah. You do what you gotta do to get started, get it going. I did when I first started out. I had uh, uh, somebody came along with me, a developed, taught me the business, took complete advantage of me, but I had somebody into the deal with you, even if you gotta give up a line share. Yeah, yeah, again, it's all about learning your market. I mean, if I'm sitting here watching this and I've, I have an interest in real estate or I want to take advantage of this. I have no track record or experience. You got to, you got to learn your market better than anybody else. Mm -hmm. And you do that by being focused. Um, that's, that's what I tell my students all the time, right? You don't have to, you don't have to know everything you need to be, again, I'll use residential, right? You need to know three bedroom, two bath, uh, two car garage houses between 12 and 1500 square feet in this zip code better than anybody else. 
so that when you find a deal, you can talk about it intelligently. Why is it a deal? Well, it's a deal because it's priced $10 per square foot smaller than, oh, by the way, it has this, it has that, the roof is new, new windows, blah, blah, blah. You have to be able to make people with money feel comfortable with you. And again, it's not right. about asking for money. Hey, I got a deal. You want to, want to invest? No, it's, hey, I found this property on 123 Main Street. It's better than every, you know, 17 other properties in the every neighborhood and blah, 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 blah. That's how, that's how this works, yeah. at least in my experience. Yeah, and know exactly what you're going to do to it, what's popular, because investors are going to ask you those questions. Now, generally, first and foremost, you know, they're, they're, you know, they want to know, how is my money secure? How am I mm -hmm. not going to lose my money? Mm -hmm. That's number one. So you got to have that answer, and you need yep. to have an attorney lined up. Yep. That they speak with, you know, that they know they're going to get a note about guarantees, you know, that type of things in terms of personal guarantees. Yep. And then it's going to be, you know, what's my rate of return? You know, so, so those are the first couple of things they're going to look at. So you need to have that. And then they're going to say, well, what are you going to do? And, you know, you need to be able to answer questions. Well, what kind of paint are you going to use? I, <laughs> I don't know. I hadn't really thought about that. I mean, yeah. you need to know all the way down to, you know, maybe not the brand, but what color? Oh, you know, yep. this is the color that's trending right now in our area. So I'm going to use this, you know, off-white grayish kind of hint, you know, Whatever it is, you know, here's yeah. what's working on the outside of the house. Here's what's working on the inside. Here's the floor plan. Here's the fixtures and finishes. You know, I'm, I know this because I've studied, you yeah. know, new developments and what's hot and what's selling and what price point, you know, and, and all those types of things. It's going to take me 30 days. I'm going to spend 20 grand and here's my contractor, you know, and he's done 500 of these, you know. Yep. So that's the kind of thing that people, when you know your craft, um, when I say educate yourself, when Michael says educate yourself, and we say know your market, you know, how many are on the, you know, you should be able to tell me at any time without thinking. How many houses are on the market? How long have they been on the market? How many are under contract? How long were they on the market? How many have sold? How long were they on the market? Would they sell list price to sale price? What's that ratio? Mm -hmm. um, how many deals are falling out that were under contract? How many exactly. are getting withdrawn? You know, all of those types of things. When you know that intimately at any the drop of a hat without having to look at anything, you know your market. And that's by just looking at it every day. Every it's not day. hard. It's not complicated. Get a core group of realtors that you talk to that are active, yep. you know, and talk to them, call them, talk to them about the market. I know what's going on. What's hot. What are the sweet spots? What's trending? What are buyers doing? What are the builders doing? What, you know, uh, and that's what I do still to this day. I talk yep. to realtors all over the country in different markets, commercial and residential. So I know what's going on out there. Yeah. Yeah. And again, just to carry it through, cause I, people need to see that we're still doing this. So, uh, you know, I, mm -hmm. I put out that video yesterday about raising private money, but why did I do that? Well, earlier in the week I said, okay guys, I'm going to get aggressive again. I don't think we're yet to 2010 levels where motivated sellers are everywhere, but I'm going to start planting flagpoles right now. So I wrote 11 offers out of the MLS, uh, like within a three day window. Uh, eight of them with agents that I know, and then three directly with the listing agents. And I didn't expect to get any of them, but I wrote the offers, right? And just to give you a feel, right? If, if it was listed at 150, I offered it 100, right? If it was at 120, I offered 85. Because I wanted people to know that this is where I will deploy my capital. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, you know, if you want a proof of funds, fine, I'll send you a screenshot. But let's go, right? And, you know, we got one, we got two counters now and, you know, lots of FUs, but that's what I expected, right? We're yeah. three weeks into this. But yeah. if any of those 12 or 11 are available in 30 days, my offer is going to look a lot better. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's the way it works. You know, people always come back. I mean, I've bought deals, you know, six months, one year, three years down the road yeah. from when I'd made an offer before. Um, so, you know, you do it polite. You do it respectfully. Yeah. Hey, I'm an investor. Here's where I need to be. Yep. It's either yes or no. You got nothing to lose. Some people get emotional and, you know, especially <laughs> realtors, they'll get all bent out of shape about lowball offers. But 
uh, you know, others understand the game and, you know, the, the sophisticated realtors will tell you, hey, bring an offer. You never know what a seller is going to do until it's in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, MLS strategy. You know, there, there's a specific strategy in the MLS that I use that I look for vacant properties that have been on the market for longer than day, average days, yep. have had a price reduction. And I go in just like you and I make an offer where I need to be, yep. regardless of where that is based on what they're asking. I don't care what Doesn't asking. matter. <laughs> right. And I don't care if it's 50%, 75%. I make it where I know it needs to be. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't cost you anything. I, you can even do them verbally, you know, um, and, and just say, hey, you know, here's where I'm a buyer at. You just call agents. So it can just be verbal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you got to be ready to back it up when they, when they, when they say yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're not bound by anything, but, you know, yeah. you want to make sure that you're ready to back it up. But, um, you know, if you're not making offers, you're not getting any deals. So um, you got to be making offers. You got to be looking for those signs. You know, a lot of times uh, properties that are on the market get withdrawn. You can track that through, what is it, uh, Red X and, mm-hmm. you know, Zillow. And you can look for properties that are expired and withdrawn and call them up that were for, for, for sale for a long time. Call the owner and make an offer. You know, or call yeah. the realtor and say, hey, you know, notice your listing expired. You know, tell the owner I'll give them X, you know, yeah. before you relist. So there's a lot, of, a lot of ways you can do that without spending any money. Yeah, this, this is the time. Again, this is a process, folks. What you hopefully hear uh, from Greg and I here is we're, we're getting aggressive. We're, we're, we're starting to get excited. Uh, the lending environment is one of the reasons I'm getting excited because that, that tighter lending environment, like we talked about Fannie Freddie last week, we talked about Chase uh, this week and likely others, are just going to remove demand from the equation, which is exactly what, I mean, 2010 was the most impactful year on my net worth of any year I've ever had. And it was because nobody was buying. Nobody could get a yes answer from a bank. I see it coming again. It may not be that bad. I certainly hope it's not that bad. But if it is, uh, I'm going to be ready. And, and the answer is private money. The answer is just private money. So, yeah. Uh, so get that system in place, get it ready. And here's an interesting point. I had a discussion this morning with somebody who's in Korea. Okay. And, uh, you know, we were talking, he's an investor and he's stationed over there. And uh, he was asking me, he said, you know, everybody's saying, saying, Michael, everybody's saying this is going to be the best buying opportunity. You know, prices are going to come down. He said, well, if everybody knows that, is everybody <laughs> going to be buying, which is going to drive prices up? And my answer was, no, not everybody's going to be buying. He said, why not? I said, well, you got to understand, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to work through their reserves right now that are in the commercial and residential world. Yeah. And you know, their, their coffers are, are draining. They're not going to have cash and they're not going to be in a position necessarily to buy. So there's going to be a lot of buyers that are going to get weeded out, uh, even though there's opportunities out there um, for the sellers that have to sell and can't do creative financing and things like that. So just because the market's good, just because it's going to create an opportunity and just because everybody knows it doesn't mean everybody's going to be able to take advantage of it, like you said before. So, mm-hmm. you know, don't be fooled and sidelined by the limiting belief that, well, if it's such a great deal and everybody knows about it, there's not going to be any deals. Therefore, I'm not even going to try. That's a limiting belief. Just yeah. go make offers. Yeah. And you never know. Well, again, I've, I've invested through this cycle before. This one is probably steeper and more severe and probably shorter. At least I hope it's shorter. Uh, mm-hmm. But I remember there were lots of buyers in 08 and 09 when prices kind of rolled over. They're like, oh, cool. I can get a 10% discount or 15% discount. They blew their wad. They were done. They were out of the market and they, they saw their, oh my God, I bought early, right? Yeah. There's going to be a lot of people that are already writing offers today, you know, and they're getting a 5% discount or an 8% discount. I'm like, geez, what do you do? I mean, a little early, don't you think? Um, 
so again, like last week in the stock market, man, they're, they're all like, dang it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the guys are not paying attention. I mean, this is prices are sticky on the way down just cause you can get a 5% discount. That's nothing in real estate. I mean, that does, that's not even selling costs on the other side. So yeah. um, let, let's be a little bit more strategic. Uh, I guess the, any other kind of words of wisdom or thought around the lending market from banks and then, and then private money uh, as we kind of wrap up this show? Yeah. Banks are going to be tough, you know, and it's going to be changing week to week. So, and, yeah. and it can change midstream. So that's yeah. the other thing you got to be aware of, you know, you could be under contract in process and until your loan is approved and moved to closing, clear to close, yeah. um, anything can and will happen. So be prepared, have it in your contract, make sure that you can get out of it, get your money back. Yep. If the bank, you know, make, put that loan contingency, put that force majeure, you know, COVID-19 contingency in there. So if anything changes, you know, along the process, you can get your money back, back out of the deal, retrade, whatever, whatever it takes. But, um, you know, you got to watch it daily, weekly and, and be in tune with it. It's, uh, I, you know, who knows what this is going to do. Yeah. Very, very cool. Well, given that we've done two Thursdays in a row after the uh, un new unemployment claims, what's your prediction this week? So it went from 6.9 to 6.6. Where are you this week? Yeah, this week, I think it'll come in in the fives. Yeah, I'm going to guess in the fours. So let's see how you we think go. so. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll see fives. I think it would have been closer to 10 last week if everybody could have gotten through. The problem was people can't still can't get through. Yeah. So it's kind of keeping the numbers down a little bit. Yeah. Which is crazy to think around five. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, well let's, uh, let's communicate on Thursday, brother. Take care of yourself. Yep, all right? Sounds good. Thanks. All right, Michael. Take Bye. care.